on a sales page, which a services page essentially is a sales page, you want to be careful sending people away from that unless they're going to book you. So like you said before, giving people too many options like the latest blog post or the gallery or whatever, instead of here's what I do, here's how I do it, and here's how you can book me, just kind of muddles everything. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Copywriter Jess Giordana is back for another episode of the Brands at Book podcast, and we're continuing our brand and website design mini-series by chatting about tips for writing website copy quickly. You may remember Jess from episode 42, where she shared with us about moving beyond a client profile. That'd be a good episode to go back to if you're getting ready to tackle your website copy. We cover quite a few tips for tackling your website copy, but we also have an interesting conversation about the about page. And Jess shares what I think is some great advice for how to decide if something belongs on that page. One note about this episode, it's the first time we tried recording a live episode. So if the audio quality doesn't sound as good as it usually does, it's because I haven't quite figured this whole live recording thing out, but I'm working on it. Before we get to the episode, I have a request. If you've enjoyed the Branson Book Podcast, would you take a minute to rate and review the podcast on iTunes? Doing so will help this podcast get more visibility. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And like I said, we want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands at Book podcast as we move forward. You can send us a message on Facebook or a DM on Instagram at davianchrista. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Brands at Book Show. Jess, thanks for joining us again. You joined us not too long ago. You were on episode 42. So we're in the 60s now. Welcome back. Thanks. I feel like it is a huge compliment to be asked back to a podcast. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> I really enjoyed your episode. I really enjoyed getting to know you in the meantime. And so we worked mm-hmm. in with each other in a couple different contexts in between. And this is exciting. Not only were you asked back, but you were asked to test out this new episode. So if you're listening to this episode <laughs> on iTunes, nothing should be really all that different for you. However, we are recording this episode live. So we're streaming live to our Facebook group as sort of a test, you know, recording live episodes. So I asked Jess what I asked you yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I figured out how I was going to do this tentatively like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate it's you. working so far. We think. I mean, we won't know if it's yeah. actually working until we, I get the recording at the end. True. true. <laughs> But I really appreciate you being willing to test this out with me. And like I said, just to give people a little bit of background, one of the reasons that I want to do this is because I do think that there is some fun banter before and after an episode with a guest, certainly with a guest like Jess. <laughs> Jess what just what does that mean? <laughs> no, I just enjoy chatting with you. We were just chatting about okay. cycling a little bit. 
But the point being is that people miss that. And I cut that out for a reason, right? right? Because I do want to get to the content. I do think that's an important part of this podcast. And so we're going to get there. But the point being is if you're interested in a live Brands at Book recording, let me know because I'll probably start streaming this to our business Facebook page so that anybody who wants to could interact with it while it's live. And again, ask questions as they come up throughout the interview. Cool? Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways, let's get to it. If you don't know Jess, Jess is a copywriter. She's a very talented copywriter. Uh, So Jess, in a nutshell, just kind of give us some background on you. If you want to hear the full story though, go to episode 42 because we've recorded another full episode with Jess and she gives us her whole entrepreneurial journey. So in a nutshell, who are you? In a nutshell, I am a high school English teacher turned copywriter, which again is something we have in common. Mm -hmm. And I love helping people take their passion and turn it into words that people actually get. I think entrepreneurs struggle with not realizing that writing is part of the job whenever you go into it. And so I really like helping people navigate that. I live in Northern New Mexico with my husband and my really cute puppy. His name is Joey Tribbiani. And we like to do lots of stuff outdoors and obviously watch friends and other things like that too. Obviously, obviously watch friends. Obviously, clearly it's an obsession. Yeah. Yeah. So I hesitate to say this on a show, but I do think it's one of the most overrated shows ever on television. Uh, Yeah. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave before the episode is over. I'm going to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying big Seinfeld fan. Anyways, we're getting to the content. All right. We've had Seinfeld is good. It may be one of the best sitcoms ever to, to be on TV, but not the point. The point is website copy. That's what we're talking about today. Really five tips for writing website copy quickly. And one of the reasons that I asked Jess back was because we're going into the winter. And for whatever reason, I would say from around the holidays until early mid spring, a lot of people like to work on their website and brand. And what we've noticed as website designers is that one of the biggest areas that people get kind of stalled out on is writing website copy. And I think that there's this perception that when you're working with a web designer, they can just kind of like create the website and then you can go in and plug the copy in. And that's more true with a template, right? Because you're kind of buying the skeleton of a website. So it's not that it's not impossible, but I think a well-designed website is designed with the copy in mind as well. So really wanted to bring you back on to talk about how we can go about writing effective website copy. You've also just developed your own sort of copy templates called promptlets to help people to this end. So can you share a little bit about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So the promptlets actually came vendenced templates in the writing process in general. As an English teacher, I came into the classroom and all my students knew were formulas or really step-by-step how to write something. They didn't understand how to cultivate their own ideas. And so I was working against the five-paragraph essay in the English classroom, but in the entrepreneurial world, I'm working against people either starting from a blank page completely or just filling in the blanks on their template and really nothing is in between. So I had a lot of colleagues tell me, hey, you should create templates. And I would always say, heck no, because that's not going to get people the kind of copy that is going to really represent their brand and really represent the value that they provide in 
a way that sells. And so instead, I started talking through, well, if I could help people through getting the right ideas on paper and really developing those ideas first and then teach them how to use a template as a tool instead of a crutch, then that would be something that I could get behind. So that was how the promptlets were born. So a promptlet itself is a digital product and you can type inside of it. And it starts out with giving you a series of prompts to get those ideas out of your head onto paper and really refine them. And then it talks you through choosing a template or a format or a formula that you can kind of plug those ideas into so that it converts according to your goals. I love it. And I can get behind that because I think that this is a great solution for people who maybe don't have the budget for a copywriter or a really talented copywriter like yourself or somebody who's you know maybe just getting started and they got a website template and now they need some assistance with the copy. I think this is great. And so again, one of the reasons mm-hmm. that I wanted to have you back on to chat about that. But for people who want to try their hand at writing really good website copy, mm-hmm. that's who we're going to be speaking to today. So why, and you kind of started to mention this, where should people start? Yeah. So that's a good question. I guess I should back up because you have promptlets for the homepage, about page, services page. Yep. Which I think are really the three problem pages. Mm -hmm. But for people approaching other pages or different projects, kind of, you know, I'd love to just cover sort of a framework for getting started. So where should people start? I'll start with actually where people typically do start and why that's kind of problematic. So, like I said, typically, People in the industry are either starting with a totally blank Google Doc or they're starting within the platform that they're trying to write. And the blank Google Doc is problematic because it's intimidating and Mm. people think that they have to do it in one sitting and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to create this super valuable content that's going to sell what I do. What do I actually do? I'm not really sure. And then they just kind of get into this identity crisis in front of the blank page. The second one, writing within your platform is problematic because you take kind of a fill in the blank approach and you end up with copy that is filling space instead of copy that is connecting with your reader and cultivating them to the conversion to taking action. And so you kind of get that like, okay, I have words in there, but there's not a full strategy that's tying all of it together. So the in-between would be to piece out the process. So I really suggest starting your blank page, if you're going to write from a blank page, with bullet points of what you need to get on the page. So if you have your template, you have like a hero section that tells what you do. You have like a little about me section, just literally bullet point out those phrases, however you think of them. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then walk away from the bullet points (laughs) and then come back to it. Take a look at the bullet points and say, which of these are the most important are like the core pieces that everybody's going to see. And I would say to write those first and then walk away again. And then come back to it and fill in the pieces to move them down the page, to get them to take action, all of that kind of stuff that can be a little more straightforward. And I think even just that three-step process 
whether it's an email, whether it's another page on your website, whatever you're writing is really helpful so that the process itself isn't overwhelming and you don't just walk away from it altogether. Yeah, I really like how you break it down into different parts. And it is really difficult, whether you're writing a blog post or anything else, just to start with the blank page, you know? And so yeah. even when I'm writing a blog post, usually I'll go through and outline the questions that I'm going to answer and start filling mm -hmm. in those questions. And then I'll go back and add things like transitions and it makes it easier to write that blog post. As far as not writing inside of the website platform. Why do you recommend that? I think, again, it keeps you too focused on the blanks that you're filling in instead of the journey that you want your people to move through. And you can totally argue with me on this. I don't know if this is technically right. But just because you have a section that your template shows as your like about me section, if that doesn't work for your strategy, then you can change that. You can put a different image in there and you can have a different piece of copy in there. So I think a lot of times with templates, people feel really bound to the content the way that it is. And I think if you're writing outside of the platform, it keeps you focused on your goals and your business. And you can figure out how those different blocks or canvases or whatever you call them in your website platform can work toward the goal that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And no, I don't disagree with that at all. So I would be... I, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's good advice, especially when it comes to working within a template. But even beyond that, again, like as you go into a website design process, not letting the design necessarily dictate the copy. I think both the copy and the images, both the copy and the creative that goes into a website that makes for a good design, right? So I think when we think about website design, we think about simply in terms of maybe images and structure and less about the copy. But I do think that the copy is very much a driving factor in the design of a website and just how things work, right? So I can 100% uh, get behind that point. Do you have a certain approach that you take with each page on a website? Mm -hmm. And I ask in part because I assume that there's going to be differences from page to page, right? And one thing that you mentioned in the hero spot was just the importance of clarity and telling people what you do. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because we want to have a value proposition. So for instance, ours is, you know, we help business, creative service-based businesses build a brand that books through website design and, and brand design or brand and website design mm -hmm. rather. But at the same time, we want to make sure that right away when somebody hits our website, they understand that we do brand and website design. And sometimes I feel mm -hmm. like we get a little bit too cutesy with value proposition statements or just those statements that we put in the hero spot that mm -hmm. don't very clearly convey what we do. So yeah. thoughts around that and again, kind of what approach you take to either different pages on a website or different sections of a website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it all stems from the goal of the particular page. So your homepage, for example, the goal is to show people what you do and send them to where they need to go, essentially. So if we think about like Caitlin James's website, because everybody knows Caitlin James, she has really her name is front and center because it's very recognizable, but then very quickly she has weddings and photographers. Mm -hmm. And so when you land on her website, you know who she is, what she does. And then you say, okay, I'm a photographer. I'm going to go here. So that that copy on that page is speaking to you particularly and same thing with weddings. So I think if you have a business where you speak to very 
clear buckets of people, like for you, brand and website design, then you want to make sure that they very clearly are sent there because they might be landing on your website to go there. And so I think from the standpoint of the copy that is in the hero image or whatever, attract people through what you do and how you do it. So if you say we do brand and website design so that your brand can book, that shows that you are going to help people elevate their brand so that they're booking more of the right clients. But it also possibly repels people who are primarily Mm e-commerce or primarily a shop or something like that because you use the word books. Mm -hmm. And so that implies that you're working with people who you provide services, that kind of thing. So even that like very simple language is doing the job of attracting and repelling because it's clear to people what you guys do. Yeah. And that's a struggle for me because I love kind of the e-commerce side of the business. And we are very much an e-commerce business ourselves because we do sell a pretty significant amount of templates. And I love sharing that part of the business with people, you know? And so I would love to help more shop owners build their shops. And we do. Mm-hmm. Often those it's in the context of, you know, a photographer or a planner or, or whoever, a service-based business who also has an e-commerce portion of their business. So right. we get to work on both. But you know, it can be a struggle, I think. All that to say, I think it can be a struggle to say, who am I speaking to? I know I struggle with this. Just that means I am going to repel certain people, or maybe I'm not speaking quite as strongly to e-commerce people as I am service-based people. And you just have to make that decision, I think, on your website. Because if you do try to speak to everybody, then all of a sudden you're speaking to nobody. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. I think it's it might be kind of a silly point to make, but just because you're repelling somebody doesn't mean that they're like going to leave your website and hate you or anything like that. Like it really is just making sure that the people who are being attracted are being attracted more strongly because they're like, this is definitely the place for me 100%. So yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I think that it can change over time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's anything that's set in stone, but I do think that just this practice of cutting things out of your business that are unnecessary is just good practice in general, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the values of uh, if you feel like things are a mess, this is where I think sometimes brand and website design help to a certain extent, or at least something that we hear from our clients is that it does help them get clarity with their business because Mm -hmm. we force them to get super specific with, you know, who they're speaking to and who this website is for. Mm -hmm. I really like that. And I'm guessing that that's how you know you've written good copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think how you know you've written good copy is that people are taking the action that you want them to take. But the tricky thing with that, and sometimes the right people, so you can kind of start to notice, am I getting inquiries? Okay, cool. My copy is telling them what to do. Am I getting the right inquiries? That's another metric that you can measure. So for me, I write copy primarily for websites, for sales pages, launch copy, things like that, that are more, there's a difference between copy and content. And so for me, if the primary inquiries that I was getting were for social media captions, then I probably would be doing something wrong with my copy in attracting those people, if that makes sense. So I mean, I still get people that ask me that just because they want somebody to write their social media (laughs) captions, but my inquiries primarily are for website and launch copy. So I think you can kind of be able to tell twofold, but also you have to know 
what action you want people to take. And I think that's hard for people sometimes because it's easy to think that a website is just common knowledge that like people just land on a website and if they want what you have, they'll know what to do. But that is so not the case. And websites are so vastly different that we need to on each page have like, okay, I want them to go from this page to my services page from this page to signing up for my email list or sending me an inquiry form. And those goals are things that you can track in Google Analytics or Hotjar or things like that. And so those super measurable goals are necessary in addition to kind of the more, I guess it would be qualitative goals. Which one's story-based? So Yeah, qualitative. (laughs) And I think that makes total sense. And one of the things I see on websites occasionally are either trying to lead people everywhere, you know, from a given page. Mm -hmm. So it's like on every single page, obviously on the top level of navigation, you can always go back to the top level of navigation to get to a different page. But as you scroll down a page, if you're linking to a hundred different places, you're not really giving somebody clear direction on where they should go next. That's not Mm -hmm. to say, I don't think in certain cases, but like on the homepage, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can only link to one other place because you might have a section that brings people to the about page, especially for those people who are new to your website, who just don't know anything about you. It might be likely that they're going to end up there anyways, just to learn a little bit more about the face behind the business. But one thing as well, what we found, especially as we transitioned to be more e-commerce centric, was that we had to go back and revisit that on our homepage. So when we, we launched the latest version of our website, it went from leading people very much to custom design and branding, which is something that we still do a lot of. And of course, you know, we still want to do a lot of. But as the e-commerce portion of the business made up more of the business itself, now our homepage, if you go to our homepage, it's a little bit more centered around the palm shop, which is where we sell these templates. So I do think that, as you mentioned, going to Google Analytics and understanding where people are going to anyways, and some of these top visited pages and making some decisions based on that. So we noticed more and more people going into the palm shop. And so we made that easier. And of course we have no problem with that, right? Because Mm -hmm. that will hopefully lead to a conversion, but we wanted to make it easier to get there straight from the homepage. So we made that adjustment, but you might go to your Google analytics and and realize that there is a page on your website that for whatever reason, people are visiting, but it's not really like a high converting page and maybe think through why they're doing that. One of those things to think through the, you know, most recent blog posts on a homepage. And I'd love to hear what you think about something like that. To me, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, especially if these are blog posts that generally lead to people taking the action you want them to take. So maybe it's reaching out. For us, it would be inquiring about website design or branding uh, design or purchasing something from the palm shop. But in general, I feel like the latest post, you don't have much control. It's not like you're choosing what's there. It's just whatever the latest post is. So I almost feel like it's leading people backwards through the process, things like that. Same thing with like really highlighting anyways, like links to social media channels. You know, I'm hoping that people go through my social media channels, land on my website, not necessarily the other way around. Not that I want to hide that. Anyways, I'm rambling here a little bit, but I'd love to hear what you think about that kind of thing and how we should lead people across a website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it all depends on your strategy. So if, for example, you have for every single blog post, you have a very specific strategy and maybe you have like five really great lead magnets that you offer as 
an opt-in or a content upgrade for every single blog post that you create, then that would be an example of that latest blog post being used to your advantage. But I sometimes also think of like with photographers or like wedding professionals in general, having on your services page, a link out to the gallery instead of a gallery expanding on the page. And this is getting a little more into design, but is sometimes problematic if your gallery then isn't optimized to get them back to the inquiry. Because on a sales page, which a services page essentially is a sales page, you want to be careful sending people away from that unless they're going to book you. So like you said before, giving people too many options like the latest blog post or the gallery or whatever, instead of here's what I do, here's how I do it, and here's how you can book me, just kind of muddles everything. I think that's a great example, especially about the gallery, if a gallery is off the website. And so I know, I mean, any website we design for a photographer, all the galleries are going to be on that page, you know, so it's easy. You can collapse the gallery and you go back to that page. I think that is a great example of what we're talking about here and just giving people, you know, making sure that you're not sending people to a thousand different places. So the other point that you made that I think is an important point, the services page basically being a sales page, right? And I think Mm -hmm. one of the distinctions between the two is that typically on a sales page, you can purchase the product from the page, right? Whereas with a services page, you have that in-between step of actually inquiring, but Mm -hmm. each one has a clear conversion, right? Like the services page, the conversion goal is typically an inquiry, a sales page, typically a sale. But I think we can learn a ton from an effective sales page when we're designing our services page. And I want to go one more step and I just want to hear what you think about this as Mm -hmm. a copywriter. I think that to a certain extent, an about page is sort of like a sales page as well. Preach. Yeah. That's a point that I try to make to people. I also think it's one of those things you should tread lightly. When it comes to about page, I think in a simple about page can do the trick. But I do think that people typically make it about themselves. Not typically, but the mistake that I typically see is that people make it about themselves and it's not. And, you know, you're still trying to sell your service or even your product or whatever it might be, depending on what kind of business you are. Yeah. I think a key in an about page that converts, which they can, they can definitely contribute to conversion. You have to craft your story in a way that people can see themselves in your story. So whether they see themselves as a character in your story, if you've always been the expert, which chances are you haven't, but then they see themselves as somebody who's being brought along by you, or you have been exactly where they are and you've come to the other side of it and you want to help them do the same, that's a way to help them see themselves on the page, even on the about page. And you can also phrase things about you in a way that is helpful to who they need. So like Till, for example, we were talking about how you guys don't have a profile picture on Instagram. (laughs) We don't, you know, so Till is my Facebook ads agency that I run with Jesse Morcaccio and Ryan Akins. So till.agency if you're interested in checking that out. But Jess was giving me a hard time because we have not touched our social media accounts. I will say that we have exceeded the goals that we've laid out for ourselves over the course of the last year. I'm not going to go into this too much, but Jess was giving me a hard time about how we are not utilizing our Instagram account. So go ahead, proceed. But on your about page, 
you have something about how you guys play settlers. Yes. And like who's winning that. And I just have to say that that tidbit shows the level of nerd of the agency. (laughs) And I really want like mega level nerds running my ads. That's just like a fact. So that's a tidbit about you guys and your lives and like how you relate to each other. But that lends authority. It lends dimension to the fact that you guys are experts in tech and just processes and like things that you have to get into the nitty gritty about. So yeah, I don't know how much authority it lends us, but I think dimension <laughs> is a good way to put that because yeah. the about page is one of those things because it can easily go the other way. Uh, first of all, right. the Settlers of Catan like piece of that page is towards the bottom, you know, because for us, it's right. a, it's a less prioritized piece, right? Like that's not something that like when you land on our about page, you're seeing like Settlers of Catan stuff, right? So I think that's one important thing to note. And I do think that can go the other way too. Not, I I think we implement it well on our site, but sometimes I see lists of stuff that people like. And what's interesting about that is one, you might be different than your brand, right? And so sometimes we, I think when we're writing an about page, we kind of forget that, okay, if we're sharing about us, then we're really sharing about our brand. So just because I like sitting around in my sweats on a rainy Sunday afternoon with waffles and, uh, you know, just vegging all day, right? Like I would never put that on the about page for Davey and Krista, right? They right. look at it and be like, like, it just doesn't build my brand, right? So I think that's like, you want to give yourself dimension, but you want to do it in a way that you should be asking yourself, does this build my brand? You know? Yeah. I think a good way to kind of frame it too is does this help people imagine me doing what I do? So like, For me, iced coffee is a huge part of my brand and for better or worse, that's what everybody knows me for. But it's also easy to picture me in my office hunkering down and writing with iced coffee all the time. And my best friend, Lindsay, she's a photographer. Her obsession is like pumpkin candles or pumpkin anything. And she's a wedding photographer and she always has a candle on whenever she's editing. And so that's like She loves a lot of other things, but she strategically talks about the things that help people picture who she is as a brand. And like you said, it adds that dimension because we're kind of one dimensional people when it comes to an online brand. And so we have to do our best to be able to expand people's view of us so that they understand us as a real person and a human brand. And so I think those things help contribute to that. I really like that. I think that's one of the best summaries of or best ways to put that concept of like including aspects of our personality. Can it help somebody envision me doing what I'm saying I'm going to do? Mm -hmm. Because again, going back to my example, I use this example because it's getting cold out, you know, and so I find myself gravitating towards Krista jokes that I hibernate in the winter, right? So Mm -hmm. it was cold and rainy on Sunday. And so I I just sat on the couch all day, right? But like you Mm -hmm. said, I mean, would a picture of me doing that or just me saying that I like to do that, would that help somebody imagine me helping them with Facebook ads or with their brand or website design? Probably not. So I think that Mm -hmm. is just an excellent lens to examine the about page through. So I'm really glad that we started, we just took this sort of detour. Yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I think it was helpful. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I think really when it comes down to it, the about page is maybe one of, it's just, I think people will find it easy enough to write about what they do. That's -hmm. probably not even true. I I think that people just find it hard to write. Sometimes, yeah. But I think it's even harder for people to write about themselves or just kind of tackle the about page. So 
I really like the approach of making it as much about the other person on the about page as possible. And it really, it really helps because then you don't have to write about yourself, but there is definitely, you know, on the about page, you do, I think want to talk, you do want to integrate some, some social proof. So testimonials or, you know, badges from places that you've been featured uh, or awards you've won, things like that, that help prove or help show that you can do whatever it is that you're telling people that you can do. So anyways, what's next? Or maybe we should recap here, all right? Because we did go over a few things and you had an outline and I've sort of Mm -hmm. asked you questions about what I know was in your outline that you wanted to share. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can just kind of recap that real quick, fill in the gaps if there are any and and go from there. So number one, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was Mm -hmm. to not start with a blank page. Yes. Don't start with a blank page. So Mm -hmm. basically you were saying outline the different pieces of that page, step away from it, then come back and tackle it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Break it up as much as possible. Break it up as much as possible. Don't do this inside the website platform. And or keep the bullet points for the next time that you go and do that thing. So depending on what piece it is, whether it's like an email marketing broadcast or whatever, you can keep that list or formula as a template. And then the next time that you do it, you're already at step two instead of having to start from the blank page. Love it. Love it. Point two you wanted to make. Mm -hmm. Remind me what it was. Point number two was to set a goal for your page. So understand what you want people to... It needs to be an action that's measurable. Absolutely. So action that's measurable, set a goal for your page. Each page is going to have a little bit of a different goal. The goal might not be an inquiry. So if that's your overall goal, the goal of the homepage might not be, oh, send them to the contact page. It's probably get them to the about page or the services page, right? You get them deeper into your site. From the services page though, it makes it total sense for the goal of that page to be an inquiry. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? And even like, yes, I totally agree. And every single blog post to try to have a goal of what that content is going to accomplish, because I think we get on the hamster wheel of writing content and we think, oh, I'm just going to put this out there so I can have my weekly blog post. But if that doesn't have an intention of getting somebody to your email list or getting people to have a conversation in the comment section, which I'm not sure totally happens anymore, <laughs> or getting them to an inquiry or your wait list or whatever, then that I would venture to say that maybe you should wait until you have an intention to post something, especially something as labor intensive as a blog post. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. And again, like I do think blogging is one of the most valuable things you can do to establish yourself as an expert, but it's like social media. It's like any, anywhere else you show up just because you show up there doesn't mean that you're helping the cause. Right. So I'd agree with that. Moving on to your next point. And I think that this is an important one. We did mention it, but I want to emphasize it here. Good copy. And correct me if you think I'm wrong. Good copy means that you've either attracted somebody or repelled somebody but there shouldn't be much middle ground. Right. Yeah. I think people who are really truly attracted to what we're doing and how we do it will stay on the website, which you can interpret from session time. Yeah. Session, session duration. Yes. So you're talking Google duration. analytics. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to kind of conceptualize how you can tell if you're doing this. Sure. So people will stay on your website, they'll binge read your content, they'll bounce from different pages to different pages, or they'll inquire with you or get on your email list, something that should be measurable like that. You can tell if you're repelling people by the quality of your inquiries. So by the level of dream client that you're getting, if you're getting somebody who doesn't really understand what you do at all and just kind of wants to reach out, then that can be a good thing sometimes for brand recognition, but it doesn't always translate directly to booking a client. So getting those inquiries where people understand what you do and definitely want you to do it for them, that shows that you have been very clear on your website. Yeah. And Vanessa Kynes, who joins me on the podcast pretty frequently, keeps on encouraging me to do a episode on Google Analytics. And I think it's needed because I do think that we tell people to go to Google Analytics and it's, it's hard to understand like what people should be looking at. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a couple of really good points about maybe things that people should be paying attention to. One thing I do want to mm-hmm. warn people about when they go to Google Analytics you know, let's say that, especially for a service-based business, like a wedding photographer, who's, let's say you're, you're kind of in the middle of the market at least. So you're not cheap, but you're not necessarily $30,000 a wedding either. You know, let's say a hundred people go to your website a month, right? And 10 people inquire to you. It might sound like, oh, well, that's not that many people on my website, or that's not that many inquiries. But let's say you book two of those inquiries in a month. That probably puts you in a pretty good position if you're doing that, you know, month over month. And again, it's going to vary by business. If you are a photography studio that has a bunch of associates and volume is really important to you, then obviously you want more than 10 inquiries per month, right? But if you are the solopreneur and maybe you have a goal of shooting, you know, 15 weddings a year, like those numbers might not be so bad. So I think that's one of the, I just want to say that for people going to Google Analytics, because I think sometimes people get in there and they think like they should be seeing like just tens of thousands of people on their website. And then they get really disappointed with the numbers and then they just mm-hmm. leave and never come back because it's too depressing to go to. <laughs> yeah. So that's think, my, my yeah. little, my caveat there. Something important to understand about business in general is that numbers don't have inherent meaning. You have to assign meaning to numbers. So if you have, I mean, 10 out of 100 people who are inquiring for $5,000 service, that's fantastic. If you have that many people inquiring for a $10 product, (laughs) that's not as great. So it, it really just, you have to understand what you're looking at and look at it through that lens. So I think that's a really good point. Good, good. So we talked about right now, you know, if you're writing good copy, whether you're attracting or repelling people, if people, if everybody's showing up to your, your website and the general consensus is meh, you know, like <laughs> probably not writing copy that's clear enough. Like uh, Jess said that, you know, one way to sort of figure that out is through Google Analytics. Another way is to figure that out is through the types of inquiries you're getting. Or if you're not getting inquiries at all, then, you know, that might be the case as well. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I want to wrap up with is brand voice. When we do a branding project with somebody, we're tackling mostly, well, pretty much exclusively their visual brand. But if you work with a copywriter, a copywriter is going to help you come up with the, well, your brand voice, right? Do you have any tips for people tackling their brand voice and really just understanding what a brand voice is? And going back to a point that we made earlier in the episode, you and your brand are different, right? So your brand might have a different voice, a different personality, attract a different kind of person than maybe you do as a friend. I forget who I was listening to as a conference, but they were up on stage and they were talking about how 
they weren't their own ideal client, right? They would never pay as much as they charge for whatever service it was. So, you know, I just thought it was an interesting example that made that point. So how should people develop their brand voice? Mm -hmm. I think your brand voice is where who you are meets exactly who your audience needs in that moment. So it is important to understand that you are not your brand, but especially for brand voice, I encourage people not to go too far from who they are, because if you're trying to construct something that is like way outside of what you would actually say, you're not going to show up because you're going to, it's going to feel intimidating or it won't feel like you and people can sense in authenticity. And I think it's really important to actually sound like yourself as much as possible. With that said, and I'll come back to that in a second, but with that said, I think it's important to understand where your people are and who they need to get to where they want to go. So for a wedding photographer, your specific bride might need somebody who is very organized and has like experience with a wedding day and is just like, boom, 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 knows how to work with people, all of that kind of stuff. So you're going to want to project that personality more so than you're sitting on the couch and eating waffles personality, (laughs) right? So for me, people really gravitate toward my teacher personality and the fact that I can not only teach them how to do something, but I can reframe how they think about something. So I try to really tap into that. So your brand voice is not just what you say, it's how you say it in the way that is going to give your people what they need. So are there certain exercises that you encourage people to go through in order to figure out their brand voice? I'm really hoping that you have like a downloadable that I can put on and put in the show notes. Oh, yes. And we didn't even rehearse this, people. We didn't, this is not a, I didn't put that in the outline. I'm going to ask you about your downloadable, but such, such a downloadable exists. So tell us a little bit about it. How does it help you figure out your brand voice? So it's called the Uncover Your True Brand Voice Guide and Mm. not your fake brand voice guide. Just kidding. (laughs) But it really helps you make sure that you are listening to yourself. So the primary activity, you are authentic, whether it is, text messages to your best friend or your mom, a Marco Polo or like Voxer is really good because you can hear yourself actually, you can hear inflections and you can hear colloquialisms and like all of the different teeny tiny words that you say. And so that is really helpful because if you were to go to a piece of paper and say, I'm going to write down my brand voice, it would not translate. And this came through in a website copy audit that I did just two days ago, my client had written a piece of copy to explain her services. And it just was, I mean, it made sense if you take time to make it make sense, but it just wasn't really coming through Mm -hmm. easily, especially if I were a client who was skimming on a webpage. And so I just asked her to explain it to me and I recorded it on Zoom. And then I told her, okay, I'm going to drop this recording in our folder and you go back and listen to it and literally transcribe what you wrote because that made so much sense. And it was super simple. And so I think we 
get really academic sometimes or try to be too creative with our words when really if we were just sitting down with a best friend to coffee and explaining it to somebody, then it would make so much more sense to the actual people who we want to get inside of our business. I like that. And I like the point about being too creative. Do mm-hmm. you know who Andy Stanley is? He's a pastor, mm-hmm. big church. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I feel like most people do, but just, just in case. I was listening to something that he said, and he was talking about leadership in particular. Mm-hmm. And he said that people say, this might not be a direct quote. I don't have it in front of me, but it was something along the lines of people say they want character, but they always follow clarity. And I think in the context of a website or writing copy, a similar saying could be said, right? People say they want creativity, but they always follow clarity, you know? And so I think clarity, and he said this, you know, it's funny, he goes on to say that clarity can cover a multitude of sins. And, you know, he's speaking in... He's speaking in the context of leadership and politics and things like that. But I think the same is true for a website, you know, like a clear website, it's going to cover a multitude of mistakes, other mistakes that you might be making. I think people really value clarity. So anyways, I'm pretty sure we could chat for another hour, but I think I've sufficiently tortured you enough by, by yesterday basically being like, Hey, you want to try this new thing out where we broadcast this episode live? And like I said, if you're interested in live episodes, let me know. It's a little bit more work to do it. So you know, I just want to hear from people that this is something that they might be interested in. We're going to turn this recording off, but before we do, tell us where we can find you and tell us again about the promptlets. Yep. So you can find me on Instagram at Jess Jordana and my website is jessicajordana.com. I am on Instagram mostly every day and I love hanging out with people on there. So I'd love to connect. And then the promptlet shop can be found on my website It is a shop of digital products that are going to help you DIY your website copy. So we have homepage, about page, services page, or you can combine it all together for a slight discount for the website bundle and just get your whole site written or give it a makeover if you already have website copy that you're not totally happy with. So yeah. Highly recommend checking that out, especially if you're taking on a website project and you want to level up your your copy a little bit or just have a little bit more direction in Mm -hmm. what you need to write. So thanks again for joining me, Jess, for a second episode of Brands That Book, and we will definitely have to have you on again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com. 